0: This is uh, I'm Michael Diedrich. I'm with Veterans for Peace Chapter 92. With me today are co-host Michael McPherson and our three guests: Aurora Child, Ray Nakaweawe, excuse me, Ray, and Kelly Wadsworth. And uh, this program is broadcast on KODX 96.9 FM. It's uh, this program will be broadcast through them but also will be archived on our Veterans for Peace (VFP) 92 website. VFP's statement of purpose, we having dutifully served our nation do hereby affirm our greater responsibility to serve the cause of world peace. To this end, we will work with others towards increasing public awareness of the costs of war to restrain our government from intervening overtly and covertly in the inter- internal affairs of other nations to end the arms race and to reduce and eventually eliminate nuclear weapons. And that's a close one. To seek justice for veterans and victims of war, to abolish war as an instrument of national policy. To achieve these goals, members of Veterans for Peace pledge to use nonviolent means and to maintain an organization that is both democratic and open with the understanding that all members are trusted to act in the best interest of the group for the larger purpose of world peace. We urge all people who share this vision to join us.
1: Yeah, well, thank you. Um, yeah, Mike, thank you for that introduction. And thank you to everybody who's um, guest on our show today. Our radio show airs and streams every fourth Wednesday of the month from 6 to 7 p.m. on KODX 96.9. Um, and it's a, a low-par radio station, so you might not be able to get it. So what you want to do is go to k-o-d-x org slash uh, seattle vfp or or when you go to their website which is k-o-d-x um, you can click on a button there and you can you can catch the show so um, again thank you to our guest and um, I just like to have each person um, go around and introduce themselves real quick um, tell us a little bit about your service so everybody knows there are veterans this time. Sometimes we don't have veterans, but each person today is a vet. Uh, you can tell us a little bit about your service. Uh, let's start with Kelly.
2: My name is Kelly Wadsworth, and I am a veteran of the U.S. Army. I served from 2001 until 2011 um, with the bulk of my time in the Washington Army National Guard, and that included one overseas deployment And my role in the military was as a battalion chaplain. I now serve as a church pastor here in the Pacific Northwest.
1: Thanks, Kelly. Um, Aurora?
3: Hi, thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Aurora Child, and I was um, in the Navy from 2001 to 2006. I served as a photographer's mate, which is also known as a mass communications specialist, um, basically doing uh, media work for the military. Um, And so I did um, that during the 9-11 and um, Afghanistan, Iraq invasions. now I live here in
1: Seattle. Um, and some of you might uh, recognize Aurora's voice because she was uh, one of the voices of our radio show when we first started it. Um, I guess it was a year ago or a little more, 13 months ago. And um, hopefully we'll get Aurora to come back and, and uh, <laughs> participate again. I think she has the best voice of anybody we've had on yeah. the show, honestly. Uh, so, uh Ray? Um, my name is uh, Ray Nakanainai.
4: Um, I served in the United States Air Force from 1986 to 1990. I was a radio maintenance specialist for the 1722nd Combat Control Squadron here uh, in Washington State, McCord Air Force Base. And uh, I currently work as a preschool teacher over, uh, over here in Washington, and I just got my notice that I'll be laid, laid off.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's
4: a time of change.
1: Yes. And you're being laid off. It's, it's it's due to COVID, right? Is that what's happening? Correct. Yeah. Not enough funding. Wow. Okay. Well, we all know that we're in this time of COVID. Um, it's kind of hard to, to remember the the before time. But at this point, um, the vaccines have been rolling out and one big thing is getting our shots. So I was just wondering, had anybody amongst this group, um, got their shot yet? I haven't gotten mine. Anybody? Or you know- I am, but you know, because I'm 76. Okay. And uh, the VA is uh, giving shots
0: to old people like me. Actually, if you're 70 or 65, I, when I went up there to get my shot, um, at the VA, um, there were some very young vets up there. I heard that
3: it? anybody could get a shot at the I VA. I think so.
0: Yeah. Um, they said
3: you just have to call and schedule an appointment. Did you
0: – have it. you uh, – there's a uh, – there's, there's a actually a phone number. God, I'll find it. That you could call and, and, and make an appointment directly. Oh. So, Michael, uh, all of you should call that VA. Did you see the list – there's a there's a, a note sent out by the VA to uh, people who are if you're if you're registered to to take your health care up there you should have seen it I if see. not I'll find it before we leave and give you that number but it's a direct line to the scheduler and uh, yeah that's very efficient is they're 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 giving the shots in, in the uh, um, Beacon Hill. Facility uh, and the old uh, or the brand new uh, mental health thing, and they're set up to do it very, very efficiently. Dog, you bang, you're going in and out of there in in, uh, 20 minutes. So, um, yeah, that's good to know. I'll get that. I'll get that phone number for you and uh, uh, before you leave. But just call up and, you know, I don't think they're doing. Because you don't have to be aged, an old person, to get the shots. I think you're right, Aurora.
1: Great, great. Well, the sooner, at least the way I feel about it anyway, the sooner that um, we get a majority of people with the shot, the better uh, so that we can get back to whatever. I don't know what normal's going to be, but whatever it's going to be, um, you know. So I don't know if anybody wants to say anything specific about the shots before we move on to our big topic for today or big topics. Mm. Well, no.
0: you know, okay. I was surprised, including some of the members, my my nephew, who he's 50 something and uh, otherwise an intelligent person. But he said, well, I'm not thinking about twice about doing the uh, uh, shot, but they, maybe he's been living in South Dakota too long. I don't know.
1: But, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I can understand some hesitancy, um, you know, but I, I feel like since they're trying to get. Millions and millions and millions of people they you know the they must believe that the thing works because we they don 't want to kill millions of people because that'll destroy everything so if you believe this country is right on capitalism, killing millions of people is not going to make anybody money except for the morgue okay so it doesn't make any sense so <laughs>
3: Anyway, time the rich people and the politicians and the celebrities are getting in. Then, then you know it works first. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> They've they waited for us to take it first. <laughs>
1: right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, just just use some deductive reasoning. Isn't that what it's called? So, um, I we thought Mike and I thought that it'd be good to get some veterans together for my chapter, chapter ninety two. To talk about the past few weeks, um, so during the fa- past few weeks, we had a, what some people call angry mob, others call an insurrection, attack the Capitol building. Uh, we had a second impeachment of of the president, the person who was president, and we've had an inauguration. So I thought we uh, we thought we'd talk about that, and I was wondering, you know, what are your feelings about about these past events?
3: I have a lot of feelings. Um... I mean, it's all very alarming as someone who's worked in media and also just someone who's attended a lot of things that show up on the news. It's hard for me to form an opinion unless I'm at the thing. And that's mm. what I always worry when I'm seeing something big like that happen on the news. I'm like, well, there's no way I'm seeing mm. the whole truth. Mm-hmm. And who knows what happened? You know, Um mm. And so, yeah, I, it just ends up for me with a lot of questions, uh, like what really what's really happening. I have no idea, you know, no and idea. this this was really, you know, kind of threw everything for a loop because it's just like all of a sudden the people that hated cops or, you know, they beat one to death with the fire extinguisher. And then the people that I uh, the people that were supporting cops, you know, they suddenly hate the cops and then the, the people that were all about protesting all summer suddenly you know oh no violent protests and it was just kind of watching everybody flip-flop on issues but also just that the insurrection in itself was was also just the opposite of what we've been experiencing all summer so I think it really threw a lot of us for a loop.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I agree with that Did um i know i have to say i wasn't that surprised i was more surprised by but i wasn't surprised by that either really but i was more surprised by the fact they didn't have enough uh security around the building i was definitely not surprised that um there were a bunch of people surrounding the building you know that that came as no surprise at all and then when there was no security around it if you get thousands and thousands of people right you know <laughs> that's
3: suspicious that's just like downright suspicious it's right. like how 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 did they just walk right in there you right. know and and any of us that have been to protests know yeah like you, you know they're they're protecting a street corner you can't cross the street yeah. you right. know how did people walk right into the capitol right and what I read about was that they were so armed, they were so heavily armed that the Capitol Police didn't want to have a shootout, and that they really thought that that's what was going to happen. And that's, you know, what a couple articles have said that I read in the news. Wow. And um, And so I would say that's the difference between that protest and protests that I go to were never heavily armed. We're never like, we're going to come in here and kill everyone, you know? And so that's a little bit scary, though, to think that the really heavily armed people were very successful. And, you know, the peaceful people get shot with everything. And I don't
0: know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You
0: know, the usual sort of things, Well, as we've seen, and some of us have been on the streets, too. They have flashbang grenades they have pepper spray they have tear gas and then they have rubber bullets and they use that stuff freely against the black Lives protests and other protests and they didn't use that stuff they had some gas that's about it but they didn't have uh, enough of it they didn't have enough flashbangs and if they would have had that kind of equipment they would have kept the people from breaking in for sure without having to shoot the ball although some of those cops said they they were wondering if they're going to have to start shooting people. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a miracle there weren't more more people killed. I agree. Uh, yeah. I mean, if I was one of those cops in that you know, and I had a gun, you'd be thinking twice about maybe I should be using it. You know, and these people were nuts. They were going to actually they made violent felony threats against members of Congress. They hang them. They're going to shoot them. The it's other thing great. is, I and other people have said it too. He says, "How stupid are these people?" About 400 or so went into the temple and they took pictures of themselves and said, "Well, here I am. Uh, you know, what are you going to do about it?" Well, <laughs> they're going to they're get arrested is what's going to happen. You know.
1: Yeah. Well, let me, Ray or or Kelly, what are your thoughts before I say something else?
4: Um, well, um, I heard about the event. Uh, about five o'clock in the evening after i got got home from work and uh my initial thoughts were um um how is trump media going to report on these events mm-hmm. uh, at that time we only had so much information as to what was going on i i didn't know about the guns or 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 other uh deaths involved at the time so i I wondered about uh, how would trump media would portray this and i and i put this out on the uh, facebook messenger to my uh rest of my family members um one of them my older brother is is a trump supporter so i just wanted to see if it, it what was his view of what was going on or mm. what he was being told of what was going on and uh it turns out that he didn't understand what i was talking about he didn't know what was going on till almost a day later wow <laughs> yeah he was so involved with something else at the time uh-huh. so that's why he didn't. He didn't. I couldn't make sense of some of the comments that I was putting out there on Messenger. Right. But uh, yeah, like a lot of a lot of people, we got family members or close friends who are on the other side, and uh, I don't know about you guys, but I like to see what other people are are viewing at these events. And as the days go go by, you know, I, I the more information we get about the the deaths and the weapons and all that. I, I'm beginning to believe that. Yeah, maybe it is an insurrection, but I, I still don't see the amount of an amount of organization behind it, which I would suspect there would be. But there's still an ongoing investigation, and I think we're going to learn more. Sure. But, sure. Uh, right. But yeah. So and yeah. So that's my current view of what this, what that event was going, uh, what that event was all about. Right. Right.
2: I like the your initial question Michael about you know what do we call it because words do matter and and I do think it is worth the time and the effort to slow down and to define you know what we say and what the circumstances look like and the best that I can tell my basic definition of an insurrection the events met the basic criteria <laughs> For from how from where I stand of of what an insurrection does look like, um, armed, mob like, I mean, one of the things I think that's pretty frightening is that the mob a mob mentality um, is pretty unwieldy and there, and there's not a lot of command and control in the sense of like a military chain of command so, so th- there's not really any boundaries as to what anyone will or won't do because that discipline isn't instilled in there, which I think is part of the flavor of an insurrection that it's that it it is it is kind of meant to be highly disruptive in that sense. Um, so from yeah, it looks to me like it was. I also like Aurora's. Um, perspective that like, it's always healthy to hold a little bit of skepticism, like yeah. always healthy to ask questions. It's always a good idea to say, is there more to the story than what I know at this moment? Right. Um, so I thought that was a really helpful contribution. Um, one of the things that strikes me about not particularly the events of this past week, but also I would say just an ongoing number of our national events is that there it just strikes me like there's a frenzied aspect to it and in the frenzy and in the drama like we're we're missing the dialogue about like the important issues uh right like I think voter rights are a very very important issue right like and a lot of different sides have come out and said voting, voting, voters' rights, access, ballots, all of those things are really important, um, right? The, the, whole, the whole chain, you know, like voting is, it's a multi-step process. And I, I don't know anyone who, who wouldn't support that being a pretty transparent, open process, but we, we can't get down to that work when there's so much kind of frenzied energy happening kind of at the surface levels. Mm. Um, right. So, so of all the different issues that have come up around voting rights, like no one, I mean, I don't know very many people, no one wants voters to be disenfranchised. Nobody wants ballot boxes to be stuffed. I'm not saying any of those. I mean, like Everyone wants a very transparent process. Uh, So, right, but we can't get to that dialogue because there's so much, there just seems to be so much tension at some other levels. And that's one of the things that really concerns me because how do we get down to the deeper levels, like where the actual problems exist and the actual solutions exist? Um, without kind of the just without functioning all the time at the level of like taglines and headlines and hashtags and kind of these more just kind of really simplistic um, modes of being, how do we, how do we make sure we have a great voting process, right? That, that the collective embraces.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I have to say, that Republicans didn't seem all that concerned um, about trying to reform voting, except to restrict voters until uh, until this until this election, and then you have all these people saying something's wrong with the voting, voting, and people are being suppressed and all that, and um, that's been happening to the black community, to young people, you know, for a long time. And what we generally do is say, okay, we're just going to work harder to make sure we turn people out to make sure, you know, we, uh, register people, um, instead of, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like when Bush won, um, the electoral vote in, in Florida, I remember this very well. Um, and they talked about the butterfly ballots and, you know, the Supreme court in many ways, um, uh, picked the winner. We you know, the, the left, I'm saying quotes over left, could have gotten all angry and tried some kind of insurrection. But no, we didn't do that. We uh, said we're just going to work harder, you know, and make sure next time. You know, so I, I have to say, I feel like the, the reason that um, we can't get down to um, working together to fix things, because I'm not sure everybody wants there to be transparency um, and wants everyone to vote. Um, I really don't. I don't think that's true. Um, cause I know my people have had to fight to gain access to voting since we've been here, you know? So I, 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 can't say that I think that's the case, but, um, I also don't think that the people are stupid. I think they are like, we are, when we go to protest, we take pictures because we think it's our right to be there. And somehow in their minds, they thought it was their right to be in that building, That's why they were taking those pictures and posting them on Facebook and all that. It's not stupidity. It's just they somehow thought it is okay for me to do this. Some of that was because Trump said, I'm going to go there with you. If you watch him, you know, I'm going to go with you. So I think some of that's that. Um, And then lastly, I want to say this idea of the mob. Um, I've been thinking about how um, sometimes a mob is a good thing. Because it wakes up the government that we're not meeting needs, you know, so I know what was going on, at least from I think our perspective, um the people are misinformed and misled, but uh their emotions are real, they came from somewhere, um and they're looking for something, and I feel like the propaganda you know when there's a vacuum, something's gonna fill it, so they've been filled with misinformation and disinformation, but that, but they were looking for something. So I think the government is going to have to, is getting it from the left and the right. That means it's failing. And <laughs> so the government's going to have to figure out, you know, how, how do we govern better? Uh, because we got this angry mob that uh, trashed and they'll get me wrong. When that guy had his feet up on Pelosi's desk, I got a little mad because I could see misogyny in that. But on the other hand, I thought it was funny because um, a healthy disrespect for government is a good thing, you know, and for the government to know, yeah, people might come in and trash your whole building. That's kind of a good thing, you know, in a way. So it, it was a mixture. But at, and at the same time, it is scary. So let me ask you this, you all, um, all of you. Um was there any significance for you when you observed this? was there any any significance as it relates to your military service? If not, that's fine but
2: I'll say for me um, th- there is a certain aspect of it that's horrifying um, in the sense of um, like my response was similar i think to a number of veterans who had the feeling of like oh i i definitely saw that overseas and expected that to be something that erupts in a war-turned country but i didn't expect that war to follow me home and for it to erupt here Um, so i definitely found myself in that camp and still find myself in that camp um what's really interesting for me is so my overseas time was almost 10 years ago now. Um, And, and when I got back, you know, I began, I had a really different perspective on our culture and our society and began to see some of the ways that uh, we had some soul sickness happening even then, which has nothing to do with the current president Biden, or the former President Trump, right? Like so, so some of these threads I think that we have seen erupt have very little to do with Biden or Trump. Like they, ha- they are existing mm-hmm. um, and maybe have been brought out in, in some new ways. But, but it's not like they just emerged recently, um, right? They've been, we've been in an endless war now for 20 plus years. Um, so right, like that, that's long enough to, that falls on the shoulders of a lot of folks. So I think, I think some of that perspective helps that, that what we're seeing now is not new. It, it it's running deep, um, uh, and it's been running deep for a few decades and maybe we just have to reconcile with it now, whereas it felt optional a few years ago.
0: Right. Right. The uh, those are important points, and, and I agree with them. I think that some of the things that Trump supporters bought into were some of the things that Trump said. One of them, I says, "What are we doing with all these thousands, tens of thousands of soldiers overseas, and not just in Iraq and Afghanistan, but in uh, Africa, Korea, uh, in the Pacific, various other places, and." There's not really a good legitimate argument for them being there, except for projecting American imperialism, and American economic interests. And the other thing that people t- tied into with, with Trump is, 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 which he never delivered on, of course, in fact, it would be quite the opposite, but the, the uh, abandonment really of the working class and the poor in this country and, and people who were to say nothing of the racial disparities that, that goes along with that. And everybody knows that that's there and uh, Trump has done nothing about it. And quite frankly, Democrats have had 30 or 40 years to do something about that, haven't. You know, one of the reasons that Hillary lost is she did not connect with these issues. And conversely, two years ago, the reason that they, the Democrats did as well as they did was they were talking about these issues, including health care. So there's a lot of, of uh, justifiable anger on the people of not just those people who looted, looted the Capitol, but Generally, in this country,
1: right? Yeah, yeah.
3: I think it's kind of like what Kelly was saying like, a, things seem to get sensationalized and blown up in these really dramatic ways, and then everybody's talking about it, but then it's so overdone and so blown up that nothing gets done about it, and it's almost just a big distraction at the end of the day. Mm. And then when I really thought about what happened at the Capitol, whatever happened, however many layers of whatever's going on, the sad thing is that it just really reflects the mental state of the American people. Like however you want to, that there are legitimate issues going on. It is easy to snag people because we are traumatized and we are terrorized and, and so when you say, you know, bring up issues about child abuse or you bring up issues about election fraud or you bring up these issues, everyone's been affected by those things and, and they need an outlet, they're angry, they're sad. Um, and I see a lot of people on all ends of the spectrum being upset about the same things, but being misled, being um, just... Taken for a ride, and then at the end of the day, the American people aren't getting taken care of, and we have these, you know, this disparity with these super rich people, and this just poverty everywhere, and uh, the trauma, and I think it's just that people on all sides are frustrated and upset, and and that's what you know you're seeing happen at the Capitol, just a reflection of our inner turmoil.
1: Right, right. Ray, what do you think? Mm. Did we lose Ray?
4: No, he's nope, here. Nope, I'm here. I uh, can't think of <laughs> any. I don't have any uh, any no ideas about that.
1: that. Yeah, well, let me say for me, um, <laughs> how it relates to my service is seeing. Just not just the the mob, but also the the lies that have been told about the election, um, and they and, and they're being told by people who took a similar oath that we all took, um, and about defending the Constitution, you know, and and it didn't mean doesn't mean anything to those people, you know, to Josh Hawley, or Ted Cruz, certainly not um, former President Trump. And um, you know, I take I take that um, I take that pledge serious. I take that oath serious. So I'm just really highly disgusted at the people in Congress who took that pledge, and, and they and you know, Cruz has taken it more than once, um, and it not mean a damn thing. Uh, so that's that's pretty disgusting. Also, this this uh, endless wars, you know, um, 30 years ago, you reminded me, I was in the Gulf right now, in the Gulf. Um, so I feel like these wars have been going on for 30 years. Uh, they just marketed to us, War I, duh, 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 Gulf yeah. War One, Gulf War Two, you know?
2: <laughs> As if they're installment seasons. Yeah.
1: You know? So, yeah. So this has been going on for 30 plus years. Um, Yeah. So um, do you have any feelings of hope or dread due to the last administration leaving office? And then I have the opposite question. Do you have any feelings of hope or dread for the new administration?
3: (laughs) Yes, all of the above. (laughs) I have feelings of hope and dread all around.
1: (laughs) Tell us a little bit about those feelings.
3: (laughs) Um. Uh, I feel like I have a lot of hope in I do actually have a lot of hope in the American people. Yeah. I have been around the block enough and lived in various parts of the country to, at the end of the day, I, I really think that there there's some power in the people that has yet to be uh, displayed. And I think that our government is really cracking and fraying enough that we're going to have to display the power of the people Mm. truly eventually um for me like everything's become such a show it just i can't even be on one side or the other anymore and i know a lot of other people that agree and and that's where i find my hope is that um is that I think a lot of people are starting to pull out of the sensationalization and try to connect with their neighbors and like what's going on in their community. And, you know, we're in this huge crisis and it's really making us check in with ourselves and what we've been doing and how we've been working and where our money goes. And, uh, that's where I try to put my hope is that the people, if we personally make our own lives ethical and we, Put our own feet down on the ground and stop getting taken on these crazy trains, you know, that the media takes us on or that other crazy people take us on. We can um, you know, do a lot. We could do anything is what I really believe. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is a really special place because we have so much diversity. We have people from all over the place. And it's really uh different than anywhere else on the On the planet because of that and um i don't know it definitely seems like we're on some sort of precipice or something has to happen now you know and that's hopeful to me (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but i have no hope in the government i have no hope in the quote unquote leadership i don't believe in them i don't think they know what they're doing i think (laughs) people are are kind of lost. And, um, and I think it is because of the eternal war, and that we have these just super rich people vying for power with each other, but they aren't, they aren't taking care of people, they aren't really doing their jobs. Um, so who knows? <laughs> right. What will happen, but
0: Well, for me, the the, really, the, sh- the story of the last month or so was the election of those two senators from Georgia, and that those those people would not have been elected without the uh, organization of black activists, in particular. Uh, even the the uh, Beagle helped a little bit, the Reverend Warnick, but uh, uh, you know that's that's a classic example of grassroots activism, and. Uh, organization and energy, and it made they made it happen. They were not going to win this uh, a month and a half or two months ago. But um, what was the governor's? The ex uh, um, mayor of Atlanta, um, um, the woman who did the uh, activism, black black woman can't contain her name. But it was her her organization that provided the uh, example for these for this activism, and so now we have a. Uh, I mean. Probably for the election of Joe Biden, and but also certainly for the election of these two people in Georgia, we, this country's got got to thank the black activists and black voters in this country, or it wouldn't have happened without them. So I mean, that's very hopeful to me, and it was all grassroots organization, you know, uh, and uh, making it happen. Yeah.
1: Right. You're talking about Stacey Abrams. Stacey, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, and that's an example she and also uh aoc and that gang of four that's what they talk about too and they talk about grassroots activism and and it's kind of interesting that these people who are maligned and attacked by the, the republicans so all four of those women you know young women they all won their re they were re-elected to mm-hmm. the house mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and, and that's a good kind of and these people are not shy i mean what uh cortez when she was spoke to at in the well of the house about the guy who went and slandered her i've never heard anything like that ever for a si- a stand a sitting uh, legislator to talk back that to another person mm-hmm. and she she put him in his place so these these people are really a, a an inspiration to me for somebody who's 75 years to see this younger generation of activists and stand up and do the do the work of political organization that needs to be done right Right.
1: One
2: of the things that's been on my mind lately is um, this past year has been um, some commitment of mine with, with the anti-war movement, specifically the Seattle Anti-War Coalition. And one of the things that I learned recently about some of the history, I would say more recent history of the anti-war movement was that when a number of years ago, when Barack Obama was elected, that there actually was a drop off mm-hmm. of involvement. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, that's something that I've, I've just kind of learned about the recent history was that there was, there was something of a sense of, of maybe, okay, we can rest a little, or we can put our feet up or something. Um, and, and I found that to be really interesting and I had wondered if something similar would happen again, like with with this current presidential transition from Republican to Democrat. If that, if a similar type of um, of kind of putting your guard down, it was go- is going to emerge. Um, so I'm I'm still curious about that, um, especially since I think it's pretty clear now that our our overseas war efforts are not, uh, are not just, you know, kind of in the realm of ideas, but it's embedded within the military industrial complex. Like it's, it's, there, there's some ways that it's embedded within the system. And so it's not just a matter of what personality is in the white house. Like that really is going to not do anything. Um, it, it's really going to be some structural, intentional changes that begin to kind of walk us back from war being profitable, from it being a contractor's deal, from from some of the ways that we have a system that kind of pushes it and fuels it mm-hmm. almost on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of the places that I, I don't know yet if I feel hopeful or dreadful about the future of the anti-war movement. I, I think I feel Un, maybe uncertain as to where it's going to land kind of now that there's a new administration on board, whether they'll let their guard down or whether they'll kind of keep at these systemic kinds of issues and, and kind of keep at the huge um, DOD budget and, and really take some value stock in, you know, what does that say about us as a people and what we value um, and, and therefore also what we don't value. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Ray, I saw you shaking your head yes on some yes, yeah. what what Kelly was saying.
4: Yeah, I, I remember what I, what I heard weeks ago about the election. Somebody said, don't put all your hopes on the incoming or the outgoing of any uh, political leader and don't put all your dreads on On the incoming or outgoing of any political leader as well, so
1: yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that's for sure um I agree with um with that and 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 what Aurora was saying about um not looking to the politicians to solve our problems um that's gonna take us, the people um, really struggling with each other um and if you look at the movements that took place in our country. That's what they really were. They were people struggling. The civil rights movement. Yeah. The government was a component of it, but down in the South, the, the, uh, I, you know, I wasn't one of them because I was a kid, the latter part of it, but my ancestors and stuff were struggling with other, with the white people. It was black people struggling with white people, you know, um, and the women, the women's movement, uh, women struggling with men to try to change their minds and, so any any change is going to take place even unions um it was the people that joined the unions that made that happen so it's always going to be it's always going to be people um that's going to make a difference um and you know you talk about the uh, anti-war movement it's it's weak <coughs> um and i don't foresee the people who are still in it letting a guard down because they they didn't trust um Obama, the ones that are still in it now, they didn't trust Obama, they definitely didn't trust Trump, and they don't trust Joe Biden. The the issue for um, um, the number of people not getting on the streets after Obama won um, was mostly because it was a coalition of people who were anti-Republican, more so than they were anti-war not to say that the people were for war. Right. That's that's not what I'm saying, but but the issues that were more important, the most important to them isn't what wasn't and still isn't today, the war. And Bush was um most vulnerable around the war, especially his invasion of Iraq. Right.
0: Because
1: right. so they
3: don't think about the war, and then that Bush made them think about the war. Right. But that's what I think, in general, people don't like to think about it. They don't want to think about it. And Mm -hmm. they have sort of some sort of mystical shroud they can just whip around themselves (laughs) and Mm -hmm. not even think about it. Because, I mean, I'm sure you all experience it, too. I try to talk to people about it. And it's just like talking to a wall a lot of the time. Like, what war? You know, they have no idea.
1: Yeah. 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 People aren't that impacted by it. And plus people are afraid because this, the government gets people afraid, got us afraid of each other. Yeah. I was afraid of Muslims, you know? So, yeah. So I, but, um, I agree that this, it's about what we do with each other, how we talk to each other. And I have to say, um, I'm a bit of a quandary though. How do I, uh, bridge the gap with white supremacists? You know, right. or a right supremacist stream that runs through through some people who aren't right supremacists, but they're still racist. You know what I mean? So how do
3: but I hold those values?
1: Yeah, but w- we have to try because what what's the alternative? More violence? Don't want that. You know, well, I think you have to try and talk
0: about things that you can agree with, or or that you can talk that common values, and even for I mean, I gr- I grew up in a redneck town, Southern Oregon, Klamath Falls, Oregon. Recently went and talked to some of my classmates, uh, Victor Flores and the brothers that I grew up with, great guys. And I said, "Tell me, Victor, that you're not going to vote for Trump." He says, "Yeah, yeah. What's wrong with that? You know, it's a logging town and, and rural and, but even even with somebody like that, the issues of uh, sending our soldiers overseas is not something that they 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 agree with, you know. And, right. and that's a common Common point. The other thing is, is for liberals, uh, so-called. I mean, I would assume that we're kind of liberals, or that would be one name that you could call all of us. Mm-hmm. I'm more of a uh, socialist than anything else. But the the common common language is is that we have uh, is that we're all all Americans and we have, we have we have very common I- issues, and those issues are the same for if you're a Trumpite or or a member VFP. That's uh, healthcare, jobs, security, education—you know, um, those are basic issues that that cut across uh, political divides. Okay. Really, the other thing—I mean, liberals also have this thing about tarring, if that's the right word, rednecks or or <laughs> crackers or what have you, or Trumpites with this this label, and it says these people are Americans. And we've probably got more in common with these people than we think. And don't be afraid of them. I mean, I, some of my friends say, you know, we're routinely slander Southerners generally, uh, including their mother, their, their, their music, you know, my, my brother-in-law can't stand to listen to country music. But I mean, they're not the other. That's what I'm saying. They're Americans.
1: Right. That's true. Well, I'm, again, um, I was on a call uh night, when was it? Friday night, a VFP um, MLK event. And one of the uh, speakers, her name's Jamala Rogers. Um, she's a chair of the organization for black struggle in St. Louis. She says she likes to give white people assignments when it comes to um, <laughs> fighting racism. And so for listeners you know, I do want to bridge the divide, but there's some divide that's going to take white people to bridge. <laughs> and then maybe I can come in with you later, yeah. you know, and we can talk. But, you know, it's a little difficult. I know that we're all Americans and I um, respect all people, no matter who they are. Um, but there are people and there's a bunch of them who don't respect me as a black okay. person. Um, and one of the reasons they don't want there to be universal health care is because they don't want to pay for my health care, you know. I mean, there's some things that are standing in the way of of the um, me bridging the gap that. I mean, I'm not exactly sure how, how to change it. And I'll say I say this, too. I have a responsibility to women to help bridge the gap when it comes to misogyny, you know, because the misogyny is not women's. It's a problem that impacts women, but it's us men that's got the problem, you know, so they they can't they can't change us we got to change us you know so all of us have some things that w- some responsibilities we got to pick up you know if we want if we want to make the change um and uh it's uncomfortable to pick those responsibilities up but uh, if you want to make the change just just like anything else you know if you want to get faster you got to get out and run if you want to get stronger you got to lift some weights <laughs> so it's yeah. the same thing you know any comments on that?
2: A while now, um, one of the things that has become, I think, well, at least to me, pretty clear is that democracy really works best when it calls forth our virtues. Yeah. And that's like an old-fashioned word that I think we should bring back um, because because I think it's applicable. Like, it works best when we can pull on the best of who we are Um, our patience, our forbearance, our sense of mutuality, um, right? Like everybody deserves a living wage job. Everybody needs healthcare, uh, right? Not some, not just a couple, right? right? But if we can identify, I think, the best things that we bring to the table and, and really work to bring those things and understand that, All political parties, all individuals have some shadows and have some things they really don't do well. And the more we can identify those and just, you know, say, hello, shadow that I don't do well, you know, and try to try to minimize it. Not deny it altogether because that's a whole bunch of, that's a whole nother can of worms, but, mm. but really know which way we're trying to lean into and lean into the virtues so that when we sit at the table, we're really bringing what is, what is the best part of humanity that we can bring. Um, because, I mean, I think it's pretty clear like extremism doesn't work that well with democracy. I mean, it's almost the opposite of it. And and part of part of its problem is that it's so narrow, like it doesn't have space for anything else. But that's the very Mm -hmm. definition of democracy. Right. Is many voices like Mm -hmm. out of many, there's one. Mm -hmm. Right. But extremism, the definition is out of one, one, (laughs) just out of one point of view. That's the only one that exists to the exclusion of all others. Right. Like, so it's actually anti-democracy.
1: Yeah.
2: Right. So, so it is a hard question. Like if you are leaning into your tolerance, how do you sit at the table with someone who is intolerant? And, and I have also thought about that. And, and I've, at the moment I've just come to the conclusion, like we all need to kind of take responsibility for our corners Mm -hmm. and the people in our corners and not worry about so much about what someone else is doing but really hold ourselves, our families, our colleagues accountable for kind of our slice of the pie so that when we're coming to the table we are coming in in a good faith effort and then and and when we do that i think then we can reasonably ask other folks who have a different perspective to bring their best faith effort to the table and to and to, you know, do what they can to leave the extremist kind of sides of, of our beliefs, you know, maybe at the door or temper it somewhat.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we have and- about seven minutes left. So I guess um, we'll go around and any comments, anybody, you know, your last minute thoughts.
3: Uh, my last minute thoughts I was just thinking because we're talking about white supremacy and like labels and the things that get put on it and what's been helping me a lot lately is and helping me interact with other people is really breaking it down that um, like what white supremacy is which is like ableism it is sexism it's um, homophobia it's racism and it encompasses all of those things and um like educating people on that level where it's not like you're like, Oh, you're a Nazi, you know, cause they don't understand that. And a lot of people of course do not identify as a Nazi, even if their whole life is white supremacist values. Sometimes right. they don't realize they have white supremacist values. And then um, also helping people remember that we're coming from a place of extremism that we're, we're not going to a place of extremism like it's not extremist to feed everyone it's not extremist to house everyone it's not extremist to have a living wage like what was extremist was excluding everybody was was committing genocide was not honoring treaties was you know not taking care of the environment that's extremist dropping bombs on people is extremist like mm-hmm we're coming from an extremist place and we're becoming less extremist. And I think people, you know, have a hard time flipping that table in their head Mm -hmm. when it's, when we talk about taking care of each other, we're not being extremist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, And that's, that's all I have to say, I guess.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Mm -hmm. Well, I like to remind people that, uh, we're a we're a nation of mutts, and we're a nation of immigrants. All of us, we all came here from someplace else. If you go back far enough, if you're African or even the Native Americans, I mean, they came across a land bridge 30,000 years ago from Asia. Yeah. So we're all immigrants to this continent, and we're we're here because of uh, this country is unique in that respect with. The diversity, in it, and we should honor that, and uh, revel in it, really.
1: Right. Yeah.
4: Uh, for me, I'm, I'm thinking people have the opportunity to see more and more how diverse and unique we really are, and uh, that could be scary for some people. And that could drive them to uh, put some walls around them. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, I have hope that uh, when they're ready, they could come out and take a good look and see that it's not that scary after all.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right.
1: Kelly?
2: My um, final thoughts are I think just a reminder to myself and to all of us that democracy takes time. Like it just simply takes time. It's it's the slow cooker stew. It's not instant. There's no just add water, like it takes time. And so I think if we can really adopt that mindset that, um, you know, it, it is worth the investment to sit at community tables and neighborhood tables and round tables and city council tables and your state legislator tables. Like those are all worthwhile places to spend time. Um, because democracy isn't, it's not a quick fix, right? It is the weaving together of many perspectives. And that weaving takes it just takes time. Um, it can be, I think, highly rewarding, and an incredibly, um, an incredibly wide way of governing. But, but I don't think it's quick, and I don't think it's fast.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's for sure. Well, I guess I'll say in closing that um, this might sound a little weird, but in order for a democracy to work, at least here, there has to be a critical mass of people who love. And by that, I mean, just care enough about each other. If you don't want to use the term love, care enough about our, our nation and about each other to do the things all of you all just talked about. You know, um, even when it's difficult, or like I said, you know, I don't really want to talk to a white supremacist, but I feel like I have to you know because i care about this nation i care about that person um and um if we don't if we don't have enough love and i don't know what that critical mass is 20% of us 50% of us i don't know but if we don't have enough of that it can't work yeah you know so Well, thank you so much to everyone. I think this is a great conversation. uh, And I'm sure the people who hear it, um, I think they'll enjoy it. And maybe I can even use a few clips and just put it out there on Facebook because there was a lot of wisdom tonight. Yeah, so thank you, everyone.
2: It's good to be with you all.
0: Yeah, Yeah, thank you for our guests, Ray and uh, Kelly. And Aurora, (laughs) it's nice to see you again. Boy. Uh, Okay
1: alright you Look for
0: it on KODX. Let me give you that phone number.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: 206 716 5716. That's the VA uh, vaccine uh, line and they'll they'll get you an appointment. You go up to VA and get your shots.
2: Say hey, it one more time.
0: 206
1: 716 5716. Okay. Great. All right, you all take care and I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it for this month. Before we go, let me give credit where credit is due. The theme music is Untouchable by The Passion Hi-Fi. You can find his music at thepassionhifi.com. Thanks again to Ray, Aurora, and Kelly for taking time to appear on the show. And thanks to my co-host, Mike Dietrich, Thank you all for listening. Tune in next month. And until next time, power to the people, power to the peaceful.